I'm your host, Tashar. This is going to be another installment of our dialectic series, where we talk to people about deeper topics that are personal to them in hopes to grow the idea into the best form it can be. On today's episode, I will be conversing with Brooke. She's currently working in the corporate world after leaving her job in news broadcasting. Today's episode, we are going to deep dive on two topics. Specifically, we'll be discussing the ethics of journalism and deep diving on the topic of feminism. This conversation has many twists and turns, and it gets pretty heated. I hope you all enjoy the ride. So before we get into the questions, I'm going to investigate, like, you know, your perspective, your point of view um, on a topic. Um, I want to get to know you, you know, let okay. the audience kind of understand who you are. So let's start with just what are you doing right now? Like, what is your job? What are your sort of day-to-day activities? Okay. Uh, well, my name's Brooke. Um, I'm 23. Uh, my previous job, I was a TV news producer, and I've done a 180 since then. Um, right now... I work for um, a major sporting goods retailer um, in a corporate setting, and I'm in office every day of the week, um, and I live at home with my parents. I feel like those are core things about me because I mm-hmm. never thought that I would be living at home again, and I never thought I'd be back in Houston by now, mm-hmm. and so many people have remote jobs, so many people do like such different things, um, but I really enjoy where I'm at. Um, I've been in a long distance relationship for four years um we're like medium distance now so it's better yeah we're just downsizing the circle (laughs) seriously so so um you mentioned the corporate job is that Mm -hmm. your sort of goal like is that where you want to stay for the foreseeable future or is it just kind of like a means to an end yeah it's kind of a means to an end Mm -hmm. i'm enjoying it and i always kind of thought corporations were like bad or evil Mm -hmm. and once i got in i mean everybody's just trying to achieve the same goal of like being the best you can be and like doing good work at your job and you kind of have this similar like community um, of things you're trying to reach so at the end of the day i mean there's so many ways that we could piece it apart but Mm -hmm. I think, you know, for the now, mm-hmm. it, it fits. That's a good one. Do you know what the end will be? I mean, you said it's a means to an end, or is it just kind of like, you know, go as it comes. Or yeah. Come as it goes, whatever. I just don't really, like, people ask, like, five-year plan, ten-year plan. I have no idea. You're like, I have a five-second plan. <laughs> Literally, my whole life, it's been like, okay, a year from now, okay, you know, I'm going to college, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But then once I've graduated college, um... It's not that I don't have ambitions, but I think I'm just trying to work on myself right now. And mm-hmm. I think everything will follow suit. Um, I am a believer, like, the right thing will present itself. So that's my mentality right now. All right. So you mentioned before your old job was in uh, TV news, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. So what were, let's, I mean, I guess, what pushed you away from that industry? Several several things um i've seen brains okay oh not brains (laughs) um it it was just really hard i worked the night shift so i went into work um in the evening around like 10 or 11 Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't get off until 7 8 in the morning um so i couldn't really make friends meet people uh i was in california Mm -hmm. and it was the second worst wildfire season they were trying to recall the governor it was covid people are dying it was the peak of like the Asian hate, everything. Like it just, there's so 
much going on. I really just couldn't handle it, mm. honestly. Like, it was making me depressed, and I had no friends or family mm-hmm. in, you know, like, seven hours, a seven-hour radius, <laughs> I yeah. guess. Um, of course, that would land you in the water because California. I mean, but... like, what's, what's, you know, maybe you have relatives in Atlantis, you know? Yeah, Because, you know, Atlantis is off the coast of California. Right, true. Secrets, conspiracies. So... <laughs> So, so lots of things. So you talk about sort of the the negative happenings that were hap- you know occurring mm-hmm. in that time frame. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you leaving the industry was specifically because of those circumstances and it was just entering at a bad time, or do you think that there was something like at the core of you know journalism specifically mm-hmm. that just didn't jive well with you as a person? Yeah, I think it was inevitable just about the industry mm-hmm. itself. Um, it there's a big emphasis on like you have to climb this certain ladder um, if you're entry level you can't reach these certain places positions whatever and I kind of broke through that because I made it to Sacramento um, which is a top 20 market as my first job oh, okay. but I got a lot of hate about it just from people within my own organization and there were a lot of supporters as well but I just never fully felt like I fit in mm-hmm. And I think no matter where I went, there was always going to be the toxic manager, the person. I mean, people get shot and killed and you're expected to go to the house, the doorstep and interview their spouse. And like, there's just certain situations that didn't seem, journalism is all about ethics, but that didn't seem very ethical or Mm -hmm. human to me. And I know I would have gotten out eventually. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So... I mean, we've kind of focused on the negatives that can mm-hmm. come from a journalistic job. At its core, what do you think, you know, obviously you were motivated to go into journalism, mm-hmm. you know, out of college. What were the highlights that you hoped for in going into journalism? Yeah. Well, there were some highlights. I went into it, like, I just want to help people. And you help people. The meteorologist tells them what to expect out of the weather. Um, and that goes into when there's a tornado, when there's a hurricane, um, when there's major weather events. Maybe, you know, there's something on fire on your way to work, like near your commute. Okay, well then the traffic person's gonna tell you that and you can plan accordingly. Um, all kinds of things in the community where journalists are able to kind of bring stories to life um, and make people aware. That was one of the biggest things for me. And just journalism allows you to, I, you know, I did have a desk job, I guess, mm-hmm. like as a producer, I wrote everything, but it allows you to step out of the box mm-hmm. and it wasn't, like a typical nine to five. And I kind of thought that that would be more exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is definitely really rewarding when at the end of the day, you pull off a really good newscast Mm -hmm. and you have valuable information for people. Mm -hmm. And I also just was really informed. I was always informed about the community, always informed about the state of the nation and everything. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was a, a cool thing. Okay. Heck yeah. I think that's a good kind of background on who you are and you know, what you were trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so moving, before we kind of step into the questions, mm-hmm. I want to I wanna deep dive on your relationship to uh, certain principles that I think are central okay. and are going to reappear in the questions that we ask you. Yes. Um, I think the first one that I want to ask you is kind of your relationship to politics. You okay. Know, specifically, I guess, American politics. Cause maybe, yeah. But even global politics is a different thing. So what's mm-hmm. your relationship with politics? Um, I think I'm very well-versed um, in politics. I like to always know what's going on. Um, Before elections, I like to research, you know, bills and different things and people. Um, But also, I just feel like American politics is like reality TV. (laughs) 
um, at the end of the day, like there's just, there's, there are crazy things that happen. And I really, I don't agree with a lot of what's going on. Okay. So specifically, I guess what, so you talk about being well informed and um, like kind of being active on that mm -hmm. front. What, do you do anything in your sort of, like, are you an activist or something you fight for? Or do you typically just kind of keep to yourself and inform yourself on the vote and just go out and vote? What do you, like, what's yeah. your participation level, I guess? I think it's it's more of that informative. Um, I, I just, I, I think it's hard to find where I fit in that space right now. Mm -hmm. um, certain people, I mean, they work in politics, mm -hmm. and I don't think I could ever, you know, be that intense, but um, it's, it also, I noticed, especially when I worked in reporting in politics, mm -hmm. like it affected my mental health a lot. Mm. Hearing certain things that you don't agree with all the time um, really just didn't resonate well with me. So um, I get news notifications on my phone for like four or five different um, national organizations about the biggest stories of the day, the week. Um, and then I follow several accounts on social media just to kind of keep up what's going with what's going on. And some of them are more focused on like the LGBTQ community or women. And that's really where I feel like I get those special nuggets of like, whoa, this isn't being reported, mm -hmm. you know, majorly, but it does affect a lot of people. So that's my main sort of stream of focus. Okay, that makes sense. So speaking of, I guess, political opinions and standing up for rights, what are... What would you say are like the top, I guess let's say like mm -hmm. top political issues that you concern yourself with? Okay. Um, I don't want to say like human rights, but literally like it's sad it almost is mm -hmm. at that point. Um, just fighting for women, um, fighting for the LGBTQ community. I mean, that's they have been taking a huge hit recently. Mm -hmm. And anything that takes away from... Like certain laws are limiting people from doing things and at the core of it, I'm like, why do you care? Why do you care what they do in their house? Mm -hmm. Why do you care which bar they go to on the weekend? Like, why do you care if they're wearing a wig? Mm -hmm. It doesn't affect you. Um, so the issues, I mean, I love voting in the best interest of, of women, of people who, that's kind of why I got into journalism too, to poke in there. Like, Mm, journalism so, at its core is creating okay. a voice for the voiceless. Yeah, that makes sense. So your whole kind of shtick, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, with mm -hmm. politics is essentially to dig information where it isn't kind of apparent and allow mm -hmm. for these sort of hidden stories to be yes. shared. Yes, and just as an umbrella, the environment. <laughs> the climate. The, yeah. <laughs> like a big umbrella term. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, and in specific, you mentioned women, LGBTQ. Is there anything in specific that you have a problem with or just kind of all the issues being attacked? Like, you know. Yeah, just all the issues being attacked, I guess. And, you know, it boils down to, like, I don't, I'm not allowed to get gas at night. Like, I'm not allowed to go certain places by myself. I'm not allowed. And I was even talking with my boss the other day. He's like, oh, I'm going to take the metro, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're going to take the metro at night? He's like, yeah. He's, he goes, oh, but I understand why you wouldn't. And yeah, yeah, so it's things like that where why do I have to live in a world where things are significantly different mm -hmm. because of my gender? And maybe it'll always be that way, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just have hope at my core that, like, maybe I just won't get shot <laughs> or <laughs> taken at 10 p.m. because I'm just a woman walking down the street. 
That's fair. Interesting. Well, I want to segue a little bit into um, religion. I want to see how your relationship with um, religion proper, whether you follow a specific religion or you don't have a belief, you do have a belief. So, you know, what is it? Okay. Uh, I always say I grew up Catholic. (laughs) That's my my statement when everyone asks uh, what I am. But yeah, I grew up Catholic. I pretty much was forced to follow the religion until about college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really go to church ever in college. And COVID was my saving grace because people were recommended not to gather in large groups. Mm-hmm. So that kind of changed all the dynamics for me. And religion's kind of tough because I think when I went to college too, I started deconstructing what Catholicism told you. Mm-hmm. And when I was 11, um, my 13-year-old cousin unalived himself. Mm-hmm. And that really hit me hard. And I had asked people in the church, because suicide is not Permitting okay that. in Catholicism. And they told me that he would not go to heaven. And mm-hmm. I was like, my cousin was literally 13. He was a baby, like a child. He, how this person who hurt so much, who had to find that as his way out, like, you didn't know him and you're telling me he's going to hell. It just, so many things started kind of becoming a parent that there's yeah. inconsistencies. And then it all hit in college. So at this point I would say, I guess I'm like spiritual. Okay. Um, Describe, I don't really yeah. even know what that means because oh. everybody I feel like has a different definition, but. Well, what do you, what do you as an individual believe in? Like, let's use, I guess, the Catholic view as mm-hmm. the, like, kind of baseline. Okay. What have you rejected? What have you accepted? Okay. So, God. Like, I think God can just exist in everything. Like, God is an energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Jesus, like, whatever. Maybe, you know, he was real. Maybe he wasn't. Like, biblical stories, I just think, like, is a storybook, essentially. Um and there's so many different sects of Christianity mm-hmm. uh, that it's almost like, like, why do you think you're better than everyone else? Like, why are Catholics better than Protestants? Mm-hmm. And then you get deeper. Why are Episcopalians better than, like, uh, Pro- uh oh my God, uh, I'm about to say Pescatarians. <laughs> What's oh, the no, word? It starts with a P. Uh... Um, Pegas? Anyways, Pegas? yeah, whatever. So, um, yeah, so, that, um, that makes sense. Um, so going back to, I guess, oh, the, 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 the Catholic, principles. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so God is yeah. an entity that is just energy. It's general mm-hmm. principles. Do you think that, um, like your ethical framework is based in some sort of spirituality that there's some sort of, I guess higher being that tells you what's right and wrong in some sort of way like whether that's intuition or that there's angels still or whatever like do you think there's anything like that um I don't know it's kind of up in the air okay. yeah and like so getting you know I've spoken to mediums before yeah. and like people of that nature and I definitely do believe like something in in things like spirits whatever um, do you think that whatever God you've mentioned, do you think mm-hmm. that they are active in our world or not active in our world? 
I think they're active and maybe trying to promote like harmony. Okay. Um, and it, it, I guess to your point, it might come in a sense of um, having like a gut feeling, like okay. knowing something's right or wrong. Okay. But I think everybody is morally right. I just feel like, like at the end of the day, it's just be a good person. Like try your best to be a good person. And that's how I live my life. Okay. So. All right. I think that's a good way to round off the religion one. So the last thing that I want to talk to you about is mm -hmm. um, your relationship to philosophy. Because I think the through line through the whole brand is philosophy. And mm -hmm. I definitely want to get a little philosophical with you. So yeah. what is your relationship with philosophy? Um, which aspect? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> what aspect do you think speaks the most to you, if there is? I mean, uh, there's obviously the inquiry part of it, the questioning. Yeah. There's the argumentation part of it, the logical mm -hmm. part of it. Um, so anything, I mean, you've obviously probably had a decent amount of exposure because yeah. of uh, one of your friends. I don't know who, but <laughs> no, someone. <laughs> but, um, I think my relationship to philosophy has changed over time. Mm -hmm. I used to really like to be super argumentative. Nice. And now I kind of just like to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so I like to learn about different things, and I think philosophy comes up in my life and applications, um, but it's it's not an afterthought, like, no offense, but That's it's fine. one of those things where a situation comes up and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of something that, I that can relate yeah. to this principle. So you, you mentioned used to being argumentative, now keep the peace. Is there a reason why you like to keep the peace? I mean, why, why did that change? Uh, I think... By just keeping the peace, it makes me more peaceful in my head mm. instead of like trying to argue and fight people on things. And it kind of just gets exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, so that's more, more why. And I'm, I'm busier, I guess now. Like mm. I have a full-time job and I try to do things during the week and every weekend. So I'm not as well like read anymore because in college, I mean, you read all the time like I took ethics classes and all kinds of things but I'm not really exposed to that all the time anymore mm -hmm. all right makes sense and you said that with philosophy specifically you kind of look for more of the applications in life as opposed to but it's more most of like a more of a like post hoc thing where it's like, like okay something happens you think of it in terms of whether you know you grew up whatever yeah sort like of passive yeah but mm -hmm. then it's like later on you're like oh crazy yeah That's injustice. yeah that yes sense. exactly okay. but do you do you think once you've learned the term that you actually use it like in your more active thought processes or is it just really always kind of existing in the, the reflective path i think it might always be existing in reflective do you think that's a good or bad thing for yourself not necessarily like uh everybody needs to i think i think it's fine for me i'm very self-reflective but sometimes i don't think i understand or fully know like the term to mm. refer to okay do you so is that is that birthed out of just as you mentioned like the inability to sit down and read for a long time like yeah the research or things like that yeah like i haven't learned it in an engaging way for me mm -hmm. to fit and be able to like apply regularly gotcha gotcha okay well, fair enough. I think we've done a good little uh, understanding of what it means to be Brooke and her okay. relationship to everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back with a question. Okay. Okay. All right, Brooke. So let me give you the lay of the land of what we're going to do. Okay. Um, so we kind of set up a little biographic of who you are, your mm -hmm. relationships to various principles that 
typically show up in the questions. Mm -hmm. So now what we're going to do is we're going to ask questions that have catered to your responses you've given me earlier. Mm -hmm. And we're going to sort of investigate each point. Okay. What this means is asking a question and kind of going on a back and forth um, until we kind of reach a healthy spot to stop. Mm -hmm. My goal is to try to convince you. Um, not convince you. My goal is essentially to push your thoughts and strengthen the points you have to make mm -hmm. or make you realize where there might be some inconsistencies that might show up. Okay. Um, so, yeah, does that sound good? Yeah. All right, you ready to go? Yeah, let's go. All right, well, then let's start with the first question. <laughs> is what are the moral obligations of media? Earlier you kind of mentioned your work in um, sort of news. It mm -hmm. was in news broadcasting, um, but also, you know, um, politically, like staying well informed and sort mm -hmm. of the nature of American politics kind of seeming more like a reality TV show and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of covering those ideas, I think it's very common for people to associate information the necessity versus the harm mm -hmm. um especially with you bringing up like the personal mental health battles that you've yeah. suffered because of it mm -hmm. and um just that so what do you think are i guess the moral obligations of media in general yeah i think the moral obligations of the media are just to inform the public like at its root mm -hmm. you'll you'll hear probably every journalist say that to inform the public mm -hmm. um and that's in my opinion, just the biggest things um, and the most impactful things of what's going on in the community. And local news, for example, I mean, you're going to talk about, you know, in Houston, if the city of Houston's holding a vote on something, if there's construction, but they're not necessarily going to tell that to people in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So local news, at least, is very um, specific to location. And national news, I think, informing the public is mostly just the biggest, most impactful national mm -hmm. news of the time. So do you think all information... I mean, so we, we point out relevancy, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, federal is going to affect all of us. Mm -hmm. and geopolitical will affect all of right. us. Um, and even local, like, that will affect your specific community. Mm -hmm. But is there, I guess, a, a further limitation, right? Like, do you think there's some information that isn't necessary to know in your local area? I'm not talking about, like, mm -hmm. you know, what, like like your neighbor Peter yeah. did on your like Thursday. Mm -hmm. But I mean like maybe in this, the sense of harm, right? Because okay. I guess that's yeah. where the moral component comes yeah. from. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, and I immediately have an answer because in journalism we talk about all the time and what used to be the theme in like the 80s and the 90s is if it bleeds, it leads. Mm. So what's the most dramatic, impactful thing that's going to hook people that's just so, you know, oh my gosh, it just, it causes a reaction. Mm -hmm. And that used to be, you know, the robbery, the shooting, the murder, the whatever. And those are valid dangers that commu mm -hmm. the community can face. But when we talk about journalism today and the way that they, we report that, it's changed. So you don't talk about, you know, maybe there's a murderer on the loose. Maybe there's someone on the loose. But if all you have to describe them, that's what's changing as a descriptors is, oh, it's, you know, a Hispanic man in a hoodie. Mm-hmm. Okay, that could literally be anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and that ultimately causes more harm to the community by you telling them. Because then the police are getting calls about random Hispanic men at a grocery store, at a convenience store, at a whatever. And maybe they'll be victimized by a vigilante. You never know. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really hard nowadays to determine that. And that's something that journalism is kind of stepping away from is that harm can be so singular too. I mean... Mm -hmm. Maybe the murderer killed someone because they had some vengeance. It's not like they're on a killing spree. Mm -hmm. um, so there's so many factors that go into it. Um, 
So you're talking about harm and how journalism is navigating, like, what is the potential harms. Uh, with the Bleed It Leads thing, mm-hmm. you talked about, like, the potential of people getting kind of attacked for, you know, miscellaneous things, mm-hmm. especially when you don't have enough information. At what point does something become specified, I guess, mm-hmm. to a point where it is safe to determine whether the, this is, like, reportable or not? Like, how do you, how do you go about that? Like, yeah. where is that detail um mostly it's if the threat is still ongoing i would say and i hate like this might go into like police talk Uh, (laughs) of the certain things that i'm saying gotta get the code out but yeah in journalism you write at an eighth grade level so really what you get from the police isn't exactly what you say because you want people to be able to digest it yeah so with that being said it's more like let's say you know somebody kills someone and it was a random, maybe, I don't know if it's gang related, whatever shooting. And they think that the person could do more damage then that's when it would happen. Hmm. But if it's like, unfortunately, you know, something where it's an isolated incident Mm -hmm. or, you know, fortunately for everybody else, but Mm -hmm. if it's isolated and maybe the police have determined it and there's another third party that's kind of given a, okay, everything's safe, then you wouldn't say anything. But truly there is validity also just to know what happened. Mm. And a lot of times it'll be on the web, but it won't be Like on, on the TV. live television. Okay, television yeah. broadcast. I guess that's a good question mm-hmm. to ask too, right? So there is a distinction between television news, internet news, and like... Yeah, so there are differences um, when you watch the news on TV, when you read it in a newspaper, and mm-hmm. when you read it online. Um, so broadcast news on TV, you're restricted with the amount of time that you have. Um, and that includes sound bites, packages, whatever. Um, on a newspaper, you're limited by characters, you know, how much you can fit on certain pages. And on the web, you're not, you don't really have many of those limitations. So you can post a broadcast story on the web that maybe is 10 minutes long. It's an in-depth feature. People watch that and consume, you know, if it's a super long article, um, they'll do that on their own time. Mm-hmm. So those are the main differences between the three. Okay. So we've, we, I want to ask you a question on terms of limitation. So we talked about limitations, right? There's like mm-hmm. different mediums of different, you know, mm-hmm. kind of benchmarks of how much you can put in, how much you can, you know, deliver the information yeah. as quickly as possible. How, if we take the moral perspective of, you, you know, journalism is the medium in which you relay information that's mm-hmm. necessary for people's, you know, existence. Yeah. Where do you make the calls on what gets put into the news, especially mm. when we have those three divisions, mm-hmm. right? Because you like from a given society, right? Let's take Houston. Mm-hmm. If you live in Houston, you have the local news, mm-hmm. you have the global news, yeah. like the geopolitical crises, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And then you have federal news, like mm-hmm. the states itself. So with all that being said, obviously different news stories would, you know, obviously different channels would report differently. But as a consumer, mm-hmm. what do you think is the sort of way to determine that? Or mm-hmm. like, I guess, you know, is that like, I guess, a, a moral issue in general? And how would you, I guess, propose to solve that? Yeah. Um, well, when I was in it, at least for broadcast, it's whatever's the most new is what you're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's up to the producer. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, you know, higher management can come in and maybe say something to try to get you to change it. But it's really up to one person, which is kind of crazy. 
Yeah. And same with, you know, text. So um, newspapers, I mean, there's several editors and there's several beats. Mm -hmm. So you say, you know, so like subjects, Mm -hmm. somebody only covers aviation, somebody only covers baseball, you know, whatever. Um, And on the web, anything, it's almost, it's not anything goes, but anything can really get published, you know, Mm -hmm. by a journalist who works for that station. Um, So I think, you know, speaking of broadcast, it can be hard because there can be some crime that was just committed. You don't really know any details, but you know, the suspect is still on the loose or whatever, as they would say. Mm-hmm. And you have to think to yourself, okay, do we have enough details for this to be valuable to the community to know? Mm-hmm. Or is it not? Or is it what? Because with newspapers, there's what we call evergreen pieces, like mm-hmm. pieces that, you know, it's a highlight on some point that's not timely. Mm. Um, and with journalism, at least, like you, the show goes on at 5 p.m. regardless, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's not, and maybe, you know, the paper gets printed at midnight, you know, same thing, but also things are just constant. TV is just such fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I mean, the solution could be more oversight mm-hmm. from management, but like, I don't know. Not to be, not to be like philosophically mm-hmm. biased, Yeah. but do you think that like if there were people like an ethics committee that like was actively reviewing because i don't know Mm -hmm. how much because you i know you know in our private conversations you've mentioned you've had to take ethics classes and broadcasting Mm -hmm. journalism and all that um but i feel like there is a necessity in like having ethics personnel be on sort of that commission like maybe maybe instead of one person having a commission Mm -hmm. do you think a, do you think that is something that happens in some places and not in others? Or do you think that that just doesn't happen? They just kind of put the responsibility on, like, the news head. Yeah. So there are groups. Um, there are SPJ, Society of Professional Journalists. There's different um, organizations that journalists can belong to. Mm. Um, a lot of times there is a fee involved or an application <laughs> process. But there are ethics committees that exist mm-hmm. out there. The only thing is, you know, once something's posted can't really ever go away yeah or it can but in journalism you can't you don't delete things like unless it's not out there yet like once it's already out there you don't really delete it you might just issue an update or Mm -hmm. something um and same with tv Mm -hmm. it just happens so fast there's not really time for anyone to edit your script sometimes you write it 30 15 10 5 minutes before it goes live to the public so yeah, really. Some of the things that I wrote never even got. Reviewed. Do you do you think that that's do you think that's harmful? Do you think that that produces like, well, like obviously like the speed of information can be seen as a good thing in the mm-hmm. sense of like, if you you know if you need to know like if there's an active shooter on mm-hmm. site, right? That's an immediate information thing. But when it comes to like a crime profile or like you know, maybe something I don't know specific examples of fast news. Yeah. But there's some. There's some nuance that I would, you know, from my perspective, would be necessary to understand those things. Do you think that this sort of quick pace turnout is producing harm? I, so what I always thought is it just comes with the job. I never really thought about exactly the harm, but I think, you know, you're kind of trained to be able to understand those like the situations. Yeah, and I think it definitely could cause harm, but most times it doesn't due to, you know, the caution that is taken. You're, you're trained to be 
you're trying to know how to deal with high stakes situations and quick turnarounds. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think that's just a good place to stop the question. I think I'm okay. good with that. Okay, cool. cool. So let's move on Sweet. to the next one, which is why should we support feminism? Mm. Uh, you know, it's Women's History Month. Yeah. Well, I guess like... technically when this gets put out, it's not Women's History Month. Right. Um, because not every month deserves to be women. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Triggered. Anyways. No. So you mentioned earlier sort of your, you know, your political involvement, um, which is very much kind of staying informed on things and caring about human rights, specifically yeah. women's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I don't think you can escape the conversation of women's rights without bringing up feminism mm-hmm. in the sort of True. traditional sense, right? Um, you know, there's different waves of feminism. There's different thought processes and stuff like that. And you... Being a woman, mm-hmm. this conversation is 100% involved yeah. in you and stuff like that. So I, I want to kind of get your perspective on two fronts, right? Okay. One is just general, like an objective evaluation of what you know as feminism, what you think about it, what you think its benefits and drawbacks are. Mm-hmm. But also, as a woman talking to a man, okay. yeah, <laughs> like what sort of discrepancies do you see when it comes to sort of like the tenets of feminism yeah and like you know we can have a dialogue about that so let's start with the beginning okay, okay. what does feminism mean to you feminism is supporting women okay. at its core mm-hmm. um feminism is listening to women and being able to sit with maybe an uncomfortable truth that what you've thought about the gender itself may not hold true due to maybe new uncovered information or things that just had been taboo before okay so it's all about uncovering and listening and you know hearing the stories of women and stuff like that where does that tie into society at large right Mm -hmm. so you know women obviously women with women we've talked about Mm -hmm. you know listening and stuff where do you think the harm right because if if feminism is the answer to this i mean actually let me not put words in do you think feminism is the answer to solving problems with women oh 100 percent. okay so with that being said, how what is the harm that is being alleviated with that perspective of feminism between women and women? The harm that's uh, just in, women to women in general? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, th- I guess to rephrase it more okay. clearly, if you have, if feminism is a solution, there has to be a problem, correct? Okay. The problem is obviously multifaceted, right? right. Women with men, women with society, yeah. women with women. Okay. okay? Um, if that's the case... What is the solution? What is feminism as a solution alleviating between women to women interaction? Mm, okay. Um, the most obvious answer I can think of is just not pitting women against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my experience, I'm in a women's group at work, and just being able to sit and meet with these people, I feel more comfortable around the workplace knowing I have your back and you have mine. Um, so, just women to women, it's sometimes a thing where you know, there can be a feeling of comparison. And I think comparison is the biggest issue um, between women is thinking, oh my God, she's so much more prettier than me. Like she's smarter than me. She's better than me. And because you're the same gender, it's easy to to, do that comparison. Yeah. So do you think that that is a implicit problem within women or a byproduct of society at large? It's probably a byproduct of society because of trends. Mm, so society posts a trend, women see it, because that society at large, the trend is a sort of competitive hierarchy, mm-hmm. women target women. Yeah, and you okay. know, you, we can factor the male gaze into it, like men love 
blondes or men love skinny women or men love women in high heels and dresses and makeup. for the for the sake of the blog not mm -hmm. for me at all you mm -hmm. know because i'm yeah. totally literate <laughs> define the male gaze ah okay um the male gaze is just what men look for in women mm. and sometimes it can be totally wrong but a lot of times women subconsciously will do things just because the they think it will favor okay. men's you know attitude or perspective of them mm. okay okay so saying that you're saying that trends and even women's attitudes may be infected by the attaining of the male mm -hmm. gaze. Okay, mm -hmm. okay, that makes sense. So you're saying that from a woman to woman's perspective, society, you know, uh, feminism is the sort of tool for which you can alleviate that because if you are listening to women, you're caring about it, it sort of dulls or even gets rid of the right. competitive hierarchy. Okay, that makes sense. So now... I want to switch over to um, the male, right? Women okay. with men. How do you see what problem exists in that sphere that you think feminism would be the better solution to alleviate? Um, something really basic, just gender superiority. You know, it's a way for people to not pit each other against each other, but men are better than women and you hit like a girl and you play like a girl and um, like you know, uh, oh, your arms, you have man arms, you know, you have mm -hmm. strong man arms. So between men and women, the harm is really done. I don't even, I don't want to say it like starts in childhood, but it's just the biases that you have that you might not know of mm -hmm. and not being able to be open-minded when things come your way or are said to you that change mm -hmm. your view. That makes sense. So... So when it comes to men and women, you think that the, the gender, would you, would you, I guess, to consolidate mm -hmm. the point, do you think that it just stems from this sort of innate thought process that women and men are inherently different and that society yeah. sort of pushes to enforce that difference yeah, rather than that. muddle mm -hmm. that difference? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I, for the sake of clarity, you, okay. do you think that there is truth to the difference between men and women? Like, yeah, and I okay. think one big way that it's seen is in clothing. You have mm. men's clothing and women's clothing. There's rarely is there ever like unisex clothing. That's fair. So with that, you obviously accept that there's truth that women and men are different. Mm -hmm. But would you argue that we emphasize it to a point that's a little excessive compared to what it actually is? Yeah, and I think we've gotten better. I mean, now that as it's, time has progressed. Yeah. Like crazy women can go to college and yeah, read books. And they're not the only ones who can cook and clean. And yeah, um, yeah. That's fair. Okay, so feminism. So so how does feminism treat that? That sort of difference in um, accentuating that. Feminism is. It's hard. I don't say it's education. Well, you you you've, you've defined feminism yeah. as a sort of listening to women, listening to that. Do you think that in a society, right? So like, mm -hmm. I, so that I definition, can, yeah. that definition was good with women to women yeah. because if you listen to women, you talk to women, yeah. that is how you break barriers. Mm -hmm. I feel like that definition may not be sufficient to address the male okay. women because especially, you know, if we talk about feminism just being the yeah. sort of active consideration of women in a sort of, you know, woman to woman standard, mm -hmm. with women to men, we've established that women, some women are, you know, existing independently and stuff. Mm -hmm. But some women may be at the sort of, I don't want to say brainwash, yeah. but the conditioning 
okay. of the male gaze mm-hmm. or of mm-hmm. society of this. So how does that translate to the male and woman dialogue when there are plenty of women who are con- who conceive and perceive the world in terms of the sort of patriarchy, to use a different word? Okay. Um, I think it can be in terms of recognition um, and... I'm going to pull the word education back in there, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Society overwhelmingly is made for men. Mm-hmm. So cars. When they're testing cars the dummy, like the person, the non-human person, like in the car is made for male height and male weight. Mm -hmm. So when you have a woman getting into a car, gets into a car crash, those ways of which, you know, it affects that dummy are not really relatable to women. Yeah. Um, car seats, Mm -hmm. different, uh, rides, I, I, um, medicine, yeah. Before, I think it was, I don't know if it was the 70s, the 90s, before, before a, like, a yeah. recent decade in human history, women were not included in medical trials. No, 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 yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so I think actually to accentuate the the um, the term, there was a there was an excerpt in a book that I read. It mm-hmm. was the Hermeneutic Temptation, no, the Hermeneutic, uh, it was Epistemic Injustice, there you okay. go, by... Um, Miranda Fricker, and she points out that um, terms like sexual harassment or mm-hmm. sexual assault, when they weren't existed, women just had to experience that. Yeah. And so the moment that it became a term is when women gained power. Mm-hmm. So do you think that sort of being intentional, like feminism as a sort of movement or as a ideology, mm-hmm. within the community of feminists, there should be sort of this dialogue of cultivating information that is, you know, I guess that should be disseminated, that it's important to women. And once it's disseminated, having that active role in the man and woman conversation would allow for that sort of dissonance that's occurred. Yeah, In a, be... in a perfect situation, yeah, yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the hope, right? Yes. So we're, we're aiming yes. for that idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that is, so we've established that simply. And let's use that sort of definition. So, yeah. so now essentially feminism turned into just the attitude of listening to an okay. active practice of figuring out what is true what is not true. yeah correct so that is a good definition for feminism now yeah so let's reapply that to women and women you say that this sort of back and forth conversation is sort of building on top and like actively considering what is important terminology and stuff mm-hmm. like that since women and women since women are the most effective do you think that having this sort of listening and conversations to get more women on board to the defining things would help the man and woman distinction does it does that make sense? Yeah, no, I so think that's it would. that would be the goal of feminism. Yeah. And so now we have to attack the big one, mm-hmm. society at large. Okay. What do you think? Let's identify the harm, right, before we tie it all together. Okay. What is the harm that exists? Okay. Um It's so hard. Do you like large scope or situational? A large scope. Like, you know, what 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 do you think if you can consolidate, you know, the harm of maybe the lack of accountability of involving women what do you mean by that so um in kind of the examples i just gave but like medical trials car crashes law Mm. politics so um, it's almost since you and you can correct me if i'm mm -hmm. wrong you have to find that 
society is a male-dominated one. Right. So essentially, a lot of the things we talked about in the male section would move to society. Mm -hmm. the, would you say the only diff? Would you see the like we kind of talked about how the men situation and the women situation could marry each other? Yeah. That would essentially both be the harm and the benefit mm -hmm. of that thing. Mm -hmm. So you identify the harm for women, and again, correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, is essentially competitiveness that mm -hmm. there's always this sort of antagonistic view with each other because you're competing for acceptance into the male world mm -hmm. and since that exists and then there's women that do compete in that term and there's women who oppose that and but that just furthers the yeah divide. and marrying that issue with the male issue in the sense of that essentially everything is in their terms so it is essentially that what do we say we said that the difference is emphasized and the similarities are not mm -hmm. and essentially it's disproportionate in right. that capacity so when you marry those two it's just essentially eliminating the emphasis on difference and eliminating the competitiveness mm -hmm. which also i guess is uh, diff uh what's it called emphasizing the difference yeah yeah so essentially it's just minimizing difference right would you agree that it's a good consolidation yeah, yeah. so essentially the problem with society and this might be too reductive, but whatever. Okay. Essentially, the harm that comes in society is the difference, is the fact that society emphasizes how different we are as yeah. maybe people. I think and that's a good, okay. a good place, yeah. And so feminism, would you say, is the solution to part of that, I guess, issue? Because obviously mm -hmm. you have, like, the other consideration of difference, yeah. which is, you know... Um, What's it called? You know, xenophobia, racism, yeah, all those fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think I definitely, you know, we worked on that definition, but I definitely feel like that was more of, you know, a marriage of our ideas. Okay. I want to see what your individual perspective is. So with this idea, right, the question I asked at the beginning mm -hmm. is why should we support feminism? Mm -hmm. You, with all this being said, the point being the harm is difference, the solution is this. How do you answer that question? And then you personally, how do you think you can embody that? And what do you think, you know, what is your message to men? Okay. So how people can support feminism? Yeah. Yeah. So you obviously, we, we, we asked the question, I, why should yeah. we? So with the things that I've said, okay. I want you to answer that question. I have a hot take. Okay. Um, for issues that specifically only involve women, I don't think men should have a say. <sighs> okay. <laughs> And so the biggest one right now to me is abortion. Of course. And I know we've talked about this like Personally. amongst ourselves. Yes, 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 yes. But the woman is the home of the child for nine whole months. All the man has to do is one simple task. Mm -hmm. And a woman is, we have, I will say, so things change. Mm -hmm. That change I will refer to as a burden only because it affects every single day of your life for the next nine months in a way of which would not have normally happened would you not be pregnant. Mm -hmm. Men, people who identify as people, so uh, this should be clarified, I guess, people without a uterus mm -hmm. should not be able to make laws and make opinions that are harmful to women with, these capabilities. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? Like, yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Um, because right I think, now, I think the criticism that would be launched, right, mm -hmm. is that we make legislation over people all the time mm -hmm. that aren't involved, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if I like, 
I mean, you know about eminent domain, right? Mm -hmm. That's, I think, the quickest example I can think about, mm -hmm. which is basically the principle that the government could take away your property yeah, as long as it reimburses you. Yeah, but we're talking about feminism now. And we are well, talking about women's issues. Well, let's bring in the... But the thing is, the, the statement that we can only make legislation for people that are directly harmed, mm -hmm. right? That, that, that point, that's the point, right? You're making that women are the ones that are being harmed, so people who aren't women... Well, are, really, People who have uterus or uteri... Yeah. Are the ones being harmed. So we, so people with uteri can only be the ones who make legislation. Yeah. And the intersectionality of this can go so deep, but from a wide lens, from a larger scope, I'm specifically only talking about men and women and issues that only arise in men and issues that only arise in women. Well, why does it create the discrepancy? So like, that's the point that I'm making with the example. Okay. We can get rid of the eminent domain okay. example, right? But to justify why a select group of people should make legislation as opposed to others, mm -hmm. you have to justify, I mean, you don't necessarily have to, and you can okay. obviously object. But if it's the case that there are some select groups that deserve their own say and no one else has a say, mm -hmm. there are many groups that should, would qualify under that. But how does that work I in a democracy? It's causing harm and it's taking away freedom. Yes, but I guess you have to justify because essentially that would go against democracy, right? Because you're what? in the sense that you would be having um, in the the sense of select groups should deserve. Yeah, and I guess I, I should reword it to say a majority of people who are voting and giving say on these issues should be women. A majority, so we can go fifty-one, fifty. We can go forty-nine, forty-eight, whatever. But majority of the people who 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 govern the issue should be experiencing the issue. But that's I guess that's the that principle, right? Because you can extrapolate, right? Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you behind the sentiment, but applying it generally, the principle that the people who are governed by a situation should only be the ones that you know get to say mm -hmm. what the situation is. Generally, for a democratic study, mm -hmm. that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have like we don't have. England telling us what to yeah. do, that's the whole point. But when you go within the society, there is such an intersectionality that to start using those principles, you'd have to explicitly define why that's necessary mm -hmm. and why others shouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. What makes an issue everybody's issue versus some people's issue? I think maybe because it causes significant harm. But that's the thing in the sense of like... Because it doesn't cause harm to men? Well, no, not, 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 okay. the, not, the, that, not that it doesn't cause harm to men. It's just the point of that there's other issues that we have to make executive decisions that will harm a majority of people and we still have to make that decision. In the sense of like, you know, I don't I don't want to go into like like crazy like, Yeah. But I, I mean, in the sense of like let's say there's like an immediate like issue, right? Mm -hmm. If it's the case that we I don't know, have to like how to do how to Yeah. Do I'm trying to think of an example that's Yeah, accurate I, I think and it's fair. just so overwhelmingly wrong in my opinion that people we live in texas mm -hmm. and men a board of men and even women honestly who are falsely conditioned into this idea that people should be having babies at 15 yeah um that oh it's okay it's and overwhelmingly it is men who are making this decision i that, just thought of an example okay in the sorry to no, that's, completely that's that's interrupt okay. you in the sense that if we argue that the majority that are 
I guess you wouldn't say harmed, but I mean, involved, yeah, maybe? Uh, involved. Yeah. Even if we say involved, right. Then essentially in the case of like slavery, mm -hmm. slaves okay. were the minority. Okay. The majority was benefited through, let's say prosperous labor. Yeah. So what determines what is a harm versus what is a benefit? It's a harm to every single slave. <laughs> it's a harm to the entire minority. Okay. Because that, yeah, I know it's, it's hard to say because people, people are dying. Slaves were dying because of slavery. Women are dying because of abortion restrictions. Mm -hmm. Women don't have overwhelmingly the money to go out of state and afford these procedures. They don't have the access, the availability. There's a time limit now. Mm -hmm. And we're not being educated on it. We're not being told, oh, if this happens, you have this amount of time to do this, and this is who you should contact. They're trying to make laws in Texas to make it illegal to Google how to get an abortion. Yeah. I'm, I'm not talking about the very real, but those ex like those mm -hmm. cases, right? Because yeah. like, I think ubiquitously everybody would disagree with those instances. It's more of like the general principle. I'm, I'm, arguing, I'm arguing against, against what? But do they? But do, does everyone argue against that? Well, no, I don't know. I'm not talking about the realities okay, of the okay. situation. I'm talking principally, right? Because, okay. like, right now, like, we can come up with the cure for cancer, but if we can't fund it, we're not going to win. Like, you okay. know, like, it's one of those things where... It sucks! Which that's is stupid, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's the point that I'm arguing, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm purely arguing from principle in okay. the sense of, like, should... Is it okay to say that if a group is being directly harmed, mm -hmm. that they should be the only ones to vote on the situation? Because that is... a and you can correct me if that's mm -hmm. not a good summary because that's essentially what it is mm -hmm. if if that person is getting harmed in the situation how can you and, and especially okay mm -hmm. this is i guess the criticism and okay. i might have to cut some time i don't know okay. whatever i'll make an executive mm -hmm. decision when i do this okay. um in the situation of society at large right in a patriarchal society mm -hmm. it is written and men are the sort of perceived dominance can you argue, I guess, you know the contradiction that's happening in my head. I want to argue principally, but there is also the reality. Yeah. So you've mentioned all this in the reality state of mm -hmm. like, okay, like reality, like, you know, there's men that don't do it. There's this, da, 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 da. In a reality state, the controversial take that you've given will not work because okay. yeah. you need men's support to, to get there. That yeah. sucks, but it is yeah. the case. You, yeah. can't, you can't fight oppression without support from yeah. the majority. Yep. That's just how it is. We need time to um, do this course. But from the principle, which is where I go to, because essentially, like, pragmatically, it's the, that's what you have to do. Yeah, philosophically, too. Um, but from a principle standpoint, I'm, I guess I'm trying to evaluate, is there a problem? Because in a democracy, right, in an ideal democracy, which we're a republic, mm -hmm. so there's mm -hmm. leeway. Mm -hmm. um, if it's the case that only the, harm, the harmed can be the one to vote, mm -hmm. What stops us from just saying that only certain people should vote? Well, first of all, not everybody votes. That might be the first criticism of our democracy, is that it's not accessible even to vote for some people. We're, again, we're talking principally. Okay. We're, I, think we, I think, now you're good, because I think we agree, yeah. okay. princip I, I okay. think we both agree in reality mm. that we cannot no. accomplish okay. this without I, yeah. sort of cross-trade. Yeah. I'm more willing to sympathize with that, that cause, okay. 100%. I can so I up. think, principally, that is impossible. What is impossible? It is impossible to... Because in a way, it can be seen as discrimination. Because everybody wants their voice to be heard and everybody has a say. But it's hard for me to think principally. 
man, it's it's hard because <laughs> this is. I mean, I'm very passionate about it. Because the thing um, is, I think yeah. principally, if everybody is received adequate education, then we can all participate in a fair vote. So, principally, that's committing that some people shouldn't uh, be able to vote. Yeah, I guess. And that, but then the connotation, because see, you you already have accepted that there's repercussions to that that mm-hmm. aren't fair. Yeah. So principally, I think your controversial take can fall apart. Okay. Practically, I see the sentiment, yeah. right? I agree with the yeah. sentiment that women should have more representation. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a bigger take, right? Okay. You should get more women involved, right? Yeah. Because practically, right, if we're going to look in the real world... Mm-hmm. Women also don't vote because they don't feel like they can. They're usually silenced in the conversation anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's the whole, like, well, there's no point because what I'm fighting for won't really matter. So practically, that should be the sort of push towards, like, this thing and, like, these bigger things. So I think we can, and you can correct me, right? Okay. The controversial take can be dissuaded because principally it leads to some interesting outcomes that we may not agree with. And practically, there's a more pragmatic way of thinking about it. And realistically, the argument that we would be pushing for is the case that we should just advocate and put more women representation in sort of society and sort of politics okay. and more And so that. the criticism with principally is that it's it, unfair? Principally, the criticism is that it can devolve to some people are allowed to vote and some people shouldn't. Even if it's situational, you are discriminating in the principle that some people can vote and some people can't. And the parameters of that can be skewed to what you've seen or what we can think Mm -hmm. of as problematic. Because then what's to say, right? That was the whole reason why slaves weren't allowed to vote, right? People generally in society until there was a revolution of thought perceived that black people were just lesser intellectually financially capacity so we should just get rid of them so if we use a logic of it's just harm like women are you know there's a harm that's existing or something like that it could easily be changed to be something else there has to be a safeguard in place to challenge that principle because the parameters behind it again this is principally Mm -hmm. not practically there's a way of saying that certain people to, I guess to allow, that's the whole point of democracy, right? That democracy, everybody's free to yeah. vote. That was the freedom that was given because there is no expectation, there is no rules, there's no laws that limit that person. But when that, that was made, women weren't allowed to vote. Well, democracy is a, th- this is again, that's reality. <sighs> I hate word. the principle of reality. I hate it. I hate it. Which is fine. Because principle is very, like, in, when it comes to these things, it's very far removed. Yeah. Which is fine. But the point being is that we need an ideal place, right? If you, because essentially, right, if it's the case that you have such a problem with the democracy in principle, then you advocate for a different form of government. In the principle, though, can we not assume that everybody's not, like, educated? But are we not all educated? What means, what makes someone educated Some people don't finish high school, which is considered a basic education. You're supposed to go all the way to 12th grade. So should they not vote? Should they not get a say in government? (laughs) I mean, if it was up to me... So what about, like, what about someone who had to, like, was an orphan? But the thing <laughs> is, if, if you're an orphan and an orphan's rights issue comes up, you should be able to have a say in it. Well, how many I think legislators should prioritize more bringing people to the table who are involved and not waiting for someone to come but up what and about raise their the hand ca- about But it. the point being is, like, in principle, <sighs> resource. <laughs> yeah. There's only a limited amount of resources. 
if I only have a hundred thousand, or like, let's say I only have a million dollars to budget on okay. issues, who deserves it? If I'm going to benefit... But why do we cap it at a million? Well, we, we, I just, it was an arbitrary number. Okay. <laughs> like, but the point being is we have limited resources. Okay. We can't, we don't have, we have limited money. We have limited well, literal we can, resources. We can raise the debt ceiling. But like, is that principally, is that something that we could just do? We should I mean, do. they do it. Well, that's know, reality. Know, Come on. I know. I just, I'm, it's, it's hard for my brain to just automatically think in because, that way. Because the thing is we've already, cons we've, I think the problem isn't that we're just going back to principle and then going to reality, right? We've accepted that reality pragmatically. This doesn't work. You have to have support of the majority because the majority has already made it staple. It's not like you're going to overthrow the majority just by saying, I think women mm -hmm. should, you know, it's not going to do anything, you know? So practically, too, we've run into issues in the controversial take. Practically, you need the involvement of the majority. It's all about reintegrating and increasing representation. But with that, I want to say like proper education, but I don't even know if I can... What defines proper education? Because <laughs> we can be wrong, man. Maybe we're all yeah. stupid. Because that's what, and that's why we have to go back to principle. Because if proper education is the case... If principle fails, then why should we be teaching people how to operate democracy properly? Because democracy has failed principally. Yeah. There's no point. Proper education is off of principle. What is the right way to teach people? So the whole reason why I keep going back to principle is not to just vex you because it's kind of funny to see you laugh. Yeah. It's principle because if you want to properly teach people in the practical way, mm -hmm. you have to identify what is the harm that you're really after. Okay. And if yeah. the harm is against democracy, which obviously America isn't just a democracy, it's a republic too, mm -hmm. which is the more depressing. But you have to change it, right? Mm -hmm. The republic aspects, we can obviously, we're already kind of going past. But I think you need to think about that more because you've run okay. into the practical issue and you've run into the principle issue. So shifting those two things is necessary before we can continue to develop this point. Okay. I think. Or at least a controversial take. Yeah. I, I'm just holding on to it, though. So, but is that I understand. Something? I understand what you're no, saying. No, you're right. I'm not even right. But I feel like... But what are you going to do with it, right? The whole point, right? Okay. Like, I mean, you can just have that principle and just kind of fester and be sad about it, which is totally fine. Okay. And I'm okay with that. Like, I don't... Everything that. happens for a reason. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to fight you. But if you want to do something about it, which, I th which mm -hmm. seems like you do... Mm -hmm. Is that attitude the most helpful? Yeah, I feel like I can't do anything about it. I, I vote, and I vote, and that's what I do. And I vote, and I can only post so many freaking Instagram graphics yeah. for someone to notice. Yeah. I can only have so many conversations with my family, but it starts at a, at a time where we should be educated about it in school. And they're banning that. Uh, yeah. Because elders in our society, I guess, people, people as they age are stuck in their ways. Mm -hmm. And for that to, for us to prevent people being in such a way that they can't change and evolve. And for, first of all, how do we even get to that point where women suck and don't deserve anything and men are better? It, we a just, lot of history. I feel like we could talk about this like all day. Which is but, fine. And I'm sorry that the principle is so hard for me to get into. No, I know. I'm, 
I'm not saying this to make you feel bad about it. I'm, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you're a worse person for thinking this. Oh, yeah. I, I, I hope I you... I wouldn't care because I, I am no, 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 so... No, 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 And I'm not saying this that I don't disagree with you mm-hmm. or that I don't agree with you. Okay. I do agree with some of the things mm-hmm. you have said. Mm-hmm. I only offer this pushback because the reality of the situation is if a contradiction exists, a contradiction yeah. exists. Yeah. And if we're looking... For me, I'm very pragmatic. If we're looking for... I'm both principle and pragmatic, which is mm-hmm. whatever. We can talk about the legitimacy of that anyways okay. but the point being is if there's an issue if there's an inconsistency in one of the t- other it has to be addressed because you don't know if you're pushing this in the wrong direction right okay. no one sees bad actions don't happen because people think they're bad okay it's usually when they think they're doing something good okay and so the point being is that addressing those That's things gross huh i hate that it really is but it makes sense yeah it's true I mean, Yikes. well, it's not, okay. like, it can like, be argued, but, yeah. you know, the point being, I believe that. Okay. <laughs> and so with that being said, it's just that we really, the only thing that unifies it or objectifies it or makes it objective mm-hmm. is the principle of reason. When there's inconsistencies, just investigate why. Okay. And that's what the whole principle versus practical, our disagreement, my pushback is all for. It's not to make you feel like you're a yeah. bad person. Yeah. It's not to make you say that this isn't... Yeah, and I know. And this isn't valid, right? Yeah. Your criticism, your opinion, your controversial take is all valid because it's coming from a perspective of visible harm and also you're advocating for someone. Okay, yeah. I don't think the advocacy of something is, as long as it is based in a real genuine harm, Mm -hmm. which you've established pretty well through this dialogue, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily makes you a bad person or a bad thought or a bad thing. It just means that we need to figure out what is the best way to do it. Yeah. And that is really it. It's methodology, not not principle. And it can't be done through education? It would go back to the point of what what is good education. Well, why don't we ask women? What are, well, we, you've, you've, you've said that women um, participate in the male gaze and mm-hmm. also are competitive with each other. Mm-hmm. We haven't fixed these because problems. Because that's remember? learned. Yeah. But the point being is how are you going to ask the people that are still brainwashed mm-hmm. the solutions to their brainwashing? No, educate them too. Well, they need to... So you're telling the... Edu- which I'm going to cut this part out, but mm-hmm. you're telling them to be educated. They should also be the source of their education. But then it's but they argued also like don't know. they should how, seek it out themselves. But, but truly, like, people... How do you know what you don't know? Right, until... You, it should be taught in school. It should be taught in but that's grade the, school. that's the thing that's being said, right? Is you've addressed earlier in the feminism conversation mm-hmm. that these two people are harmed in the sense that men yeah. are this way. Women yeah. are... Let's just focus on women. That women are competitive with women, and okay. that's because their motivations are driven by either societal goals or the male gaze. Yeah. And if that's the case then essentially everybody in the system is taught. And some women mm-hmm. are elucidated by whatever reason, okay. but other women aren't. So your yeah. goal is to convince other women that there is a problem. But the solution can't originate in women because the problem extends everywhere. Yeah. And women are already fighting women. Yeah. So if a woman who is brainwashed into the male gaze, mm-hmm. they will only listen to a man. Yeah, and I, that's so, why I think men are the larger problem. But the point being is the point. solution doesn't exist. If you get rid of men, they still think men are right. So then they'll just see men as being oppressed. Their logic okay. is going to be... So you can't just assume that all women will agree with other women because they're women. Mm-hmm. That's speaking from an implicit perspective mm-hmm. of being a feminist. Okay. The point being is there's women that exist that aren't feminists. They don't agree with women inherently. Yeah. That women are right. That their oppression... their brain It's Stockholm Syndrome, essentially. Yeah. 
So it'd be trying to convince a Stockholm victim that their captor is the villain. They won't see it that way. Mm -hmm. The difference, the way to fix that, is to convince or show objectively that the captor is a problem in the terms of and the Stockholm victim. I think also it's an effect of violence. So the majority of violence on women comes from men. There are, there are, hate, there are women hate groups that exist. If we want to bring Andrew Tate into this, we can. But there are yeah. purveyors of violence against and, women, and yes. women truly are not, at, majority are not of that. And we're not, we're not, I'm not disagreeing with that. Okay. But the point being is that factually, mm -hmm. women do exist that do not yes, see no, women. Yes, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree, and 100%. So, so the, to say that the solutions exist in women when there's women that are so ingrained in the male society. Oh, no, I don't think it's all women. I think it's no, no, feminist no. women. That, that should come... That, that the solutions exist in. So then what... So not only solutions, but going back to the practical, you're mm -hmm. saying that the people who should be able to vote are the ones that are being harmed the most. Mm-hmm. The women that don't see this as a problem would, mm -hmm. are still being harmed, but they don't see it as a problem. So they're going to offer counter legislation but than you would. I think overwhelmingly, a majority of women would vote in favor of these things. Of some and then things. The, the byproduct Well, take abortion. Be, take yeah, abortion. Yeah. Not all women support abortion. Most, mm -hmm. it's, it's I, w I obviously don't know the statistic, mm -hmm. but there's a decent proportion of women that don't support abortion. Okay. So... If it was, even if we were to accept what you say, mm -hmm. and we just give it to the women, mm -hmm. that's still a battle. I still think they would be the minority, though. I don't know. Due to the implications. I mean, a, a Christian woman who doesn't believe in abortion has an inviolable fetus inside of her. The No heartbeat detected. The baby has died. Her water has not broke. Okay? Her water is mm -hmm. not broken. So she is given the option then, if abortion is illegal... She has to wait for her water to break, or she has to break into sepsis and literally be dying well, in those before action can be taken. Okay, in those situations, you'd agree, but you are arguing for abortion beyond the scope of that, right? It yeah, also should just be the because choice. Because that's the reality of it. Let's just consolidate it to the point there's that, that distinction okay. of like the principle and the practical. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I still think that that is still there. The logistics of both of those need to be figured out before okay. the controversial take or that anything could be, you know, fleshed out. Okay. Again, not because I disagree with you. Yeah. I hope you know that. Yeah. I don't no, disagree No, no, I, I know. Yeah, but it's the need to dig. And and not just, and not even because, you know me, I would do this even yeah. if the podcast was yes. about. That's why we've gone on for yes. so long about this yeah. part. Is, to me, it even respecting women entirely and even if you were to forgo that my internal sorry mike um my internal thought process is that there would still be pushback on the legitimate sort of intersections of those issues right because i think without a doubt majority of women would support abortion for like and and topic pregnancies uh -huh. like the, the things that are life-threatening. I think most women mm -hmm. would agree with that. But you're not just arguing for those. That's included mm -hmm. in the larger yeah. that it should yeah. just be a choice. Yeah. And I know for a fact that that would be a lot more pushback. Yeah. I just think, but why do we have to determine if it's a medical emergency? Why can't people just... But that's the, but that's the point. That's the point of debate. Mm -hmm. That's the point of disagreement. Mm -hmm. So, And that is what goes back to, from a more practical standpoint, mm -hmm. if you do involve men in the situation... I know most men don't want kids randomly. Mm -hmm. 
And even though it's for selfish reasons, that gives you more supporters. Yeah. Because men are yeah. equal, like, you know, because if you have laws for, what's it called, for men to mandatorily pay for child support, they're going to be invested in abortion rights too. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want a fucking kid. I mean, it's just, it's hard because there are people out there who advocate for their women that they impregnated to get an abortion, yet they're not going to vote for an overarching law to help everybody else. Which is, again, a practical problem. But, okay. again, in, in a sort of, pro, in a practical principle criticism, mm-hmm. in the situation where there's like a, a 50-50 debate on whether women should get an abortion, let's just say, right, there's some women that don't want abortion, there's some people that do it want because religious reasons or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, having the men on the supporting side could push the majority in a democratic vote. Okay. And that's why there is some necessity. Because within the group, again, you need to address the problem in the society at large, in my opinion. In the society at large, because when you address society at large, then the women that are brainwashed into thinking they're captors, the men, Mm -hmm. are in the right, are also seen in a negative light. Okay. If you're doing it in terms of just women to women, the woman doesn't perceive her captor as the problem in the sort of Stockholm analogy we're talking about, you would need to dissuade, you need to objectively and verifiably delude and diminish the confidence that a woman has on the man. Because as you said, the woman to woman violent against each mm-hmm. other is a byproduct of patriarchy. Okay. But the only way to do that is not to just have women and women duke it out. It's to invalidate and objectively demonstrate that patriarchy is the problem. But the way to do that is a lot more overwhelming Mm -hmm. without the support of men who also agree with that sentiment. Because that doubles your numbers. If you only have women, now you're going between a majority and a minority. In the sense of like women that agree and women that disagree. And the women that disagree have the majority of the men who support the patriarchy because it's already Mm -hmm. in their favor. So it's essentially binding the minority with the minority and the majority with the majority. Or the minority with the majority and the majority with the minority. Yeah. Because minority, if you look at it just men, the minority of men are supporting sex, you know, mm-hmm. like sex equality, mm-hmm. gender equality, all that stuff, pushing for feminism. Majority of men are, you said? Men, minority. Okay. Minority of yeah, yeah. men are in support of yeah, feminism, yeah. while majority are not. Because it's in their favor to yeah. support anti-feminist yeah. laws. In the women's camp... A majority of the women may mm-hmm. be supporting that, mm-hmm. and a minority of women may not be. But that majority of minority and has a gray, first okay. of all. There's yeah. a gray zone. Mm-hmm. And that gray zone is pretty impactful. It's not yeah. like small little things. It's people's lives. Okay. And since that gray zone exists, because this is nuanced things, right? We've also talked about the necessity of learning these tools and principles and stuff that women need to do for themselves. That's all the gray. So if you were to throw this legislation into this sort of gray and like this, you essentially cut this one, which definitely helps the majority, yeah. but it also isolates the minority. Okay. So if you're just talking about it, if we're talking non-voting terms and just mm-hmm. education, having the minority of men and the majority of women help navigate this gray zone, you can diminish the gray zone to it becomes a true equal minority majority. Mm-hmm. And then you can put it to a vote and then you will have more people siding with the feminist agenda, to use terminology. Hopefully, and unless the other people on the opposing party start to... Start to push back, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's going to be a thing that we'll yeah. have to get there when we get there. But right now, we're not even there. Yeah, unfortunately. So, that is what, for me, feminism, the advocacy, and the strategy goes for. Okay. But I get the sentiment. I'm just saying, from practical terms, I think 
the way that I just express it is the more practical strategy. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. I think it's just like history repeats itself and the way that we've gotten things in the past are just by revolutions and just by speaking out. So I mean, you know what? And that goes back to principle, right? If you yeah. disagree with the principle, go to the revolution. Yeah. A homeboy Marxy. Yeah. Mr. Marx. Yeah. That's what, and, that, and that's why the dialogue that we're having is both principle and practical. But that's why I was pushing more towards the principle. Because okay. if you just think that democracy is not the best way to do this, revolution, bro. Yeah. That, 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 that's principle. Yeah. And, that, and that, is, that principle is informed by all the practical and the principle. Mm-hmm. Which is why I was pushing you, especially in the recording, yeah. to think principally. Because if you disagree with democracy in the way that it's implementing, or a republic in why it's running, or America's democratic republic, and why that's not working... Mm-hmm then your conclusion would be the only way to fix feminism is revolution. Yeah. Which is a stance. That is literally the communist manifesto. Yeah. So, and it's okay if you're extreme on your position. That's totally fine. But then it wouldn't be wasting time saying, like, women should only be the ones to vote. Yeah. Because then you're still operating on a system that you have an inherent problem yeah. with anyways. Yeah. So you would just get rid of democracy, the democratic republic and advocate for something else. Mm-hmm. But then your controversial take disappears anyways. Yeah. If that makes sense. If I had to consolidate mm-hmm. our whole conversation down, practically, I think there are better ways than to say that women should just vote mm-hmm. because I think you need the assistance of some men that are allies to help the conversation. Mm-hmm. In a principle criticism, I think that your hot take falls apart because in within the construct of a democracy, mm-hmm. it wouldn't work. Okay. You would have to advocate for a system of government that's outside of democracy that is an alternative to democracy. And if that's the case, then your criticism, your point is implicit in a democracy. So if you hate democracy in general, Mm -hmm. the criticism falls apart anyways. You have a new criticism. Yeah. So both principally and practically, the cot tick falls apart for those reasons. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Does that... Yeah, it's just, it's like a lot of like... Thinking. Hoops and... Oh yeah, yeah, anything of change is that's that. Nothing nothing good comes easy, sadly. Um, to end out that point, I think we had a lot to discuss. Yeah. And I hope that I um, didn't come off as a mansplaining patriarchal. <laughs> we'll see what the viewers say. Oh, no. Well, <laughs> the get... listeners. Oh, well, I was going to no, say J.K. But... Rowling's going to come after me. That makes no sense. Oh, God. She's like, no, she comes after me. She's like, oh, why yeah. is this woman saying all of that? Sorry. You're... She's just uneducated. <laughs> that's crazy. No. Everybody's that's... uneducated. Yeah, no. But, um, yeah. I mean, good talk, as always. It's yeah. it's always um, mental gymnastics to debate something that, like, you know in your head and sometimes even in your emotions and your heart. It's hard. Say. Yeah. Because, I mean, the point that I'll always agree with is the whole the sentiment behind democracy and the sense of the nature of debate is that we all live, again, going back to the quote that whether, I don't know if I cut it out or not, but Mm -hmm. the quote that I said earlier is that essentially good act, evil actions are always done with the thought of good. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks that they're doing the right thing Mm -hmm. when they do something bad. It's usually a misunderstanding of what good is. Mm -hmm. And since that exists, the only thing that keeps us on a level playing field is debate, reason, logic and these arguing yeah. tactics. They're all informed by our lived experience, and I don't think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. 
but the language in which we yeah. conduct to sort of make sure that we are operating on the best terms is the sort of debate. Do you think society overwhelmingly is operating on those terms? Oh, no. Okay. But that's the whole point of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That's my goal with this brand. Yeah. That's the whole reason why I'm making this podcast. Yeah. It's to show that that is the case. Right. That we... I mean, we don't even... The thing is, too, we don't even disagree, and we had so much to say. Yeah, that's true. And that's, I think, the goal, because everybody's lived experience is different, everybody's passions are different, mm -hmm. but we want to make sure that we both win at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. Everybody eats. That's the whole... Everybody eats. Everybody eats. Mm. But yeah, anyways, okay. so that's the experience. How do you feel about everything, all the questions that were asked and answered? I feel good. Sometimes I do, and maybe this just may be a woman thing, but feel almost like incompetent or not well enough spoken mm -hmm. on these certain issues just because I know that there are people who are better spoken, mm -hmm. but that doesn't diminish you know, my opinion yeah. on and everything. And you did great. Thanks. It was a fun I call. Just... I always have fun talking to you, but I'm yeah. glad that we got to document it yeah. and have a fun time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not the most... Um, confrontational <laughs> and argumentative. You held so. your own. You held your own. It was great. Right. I enjoyed it. Well, anyways, is there anything you want to like plug? Like, I don't know. Do you want people to no. follow you so they can say like, oh, she's a feminine. Honestly, just, you know, it's, it's fun to seek out new information sometimes. So yeah. maybe try out a new, a new, I don't know. I don't know. Read a book. Follow some more accounts and yeah. read more books and just don't stop asking questions. Exactly. Just be a, just, Get educated. Yeah, I guess that's a central theme here. Or yeah, something, get educated no, by just... Brooks. Goodbye message, and the only yeah. thing she's plugging is get educated. Yeah. So that Bye. will conclude it. Bye. Okay, cool. Now that's what I call a fun time. Definitely a lot to reflect on after conversing with Brooke. But I hope you guys got as much out of this conversation as I did. As always, thank you for listening, and if you'd like to support our show, please share the episode, and if you'd like to be on the show, feel free to message me on any of our social media platforms or email on the email listed below. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep on conversing.